0: Welcome back to now episode five of the New Levels Coaching Podcast. I can't get rid of Gemma. I literally cannot get rid of her. Um, We said at the start we're going to have multiple guests on and we will. We'll have all different guests each week, but uh, the familiar face is back. Gemma can't keep away. We are in a different setting though this week. We're not in the granny studio in our little granny flat. We're actually up in the Lake District and that makes two episodes back to back that haven't been filmed in the studio. But I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Justin, which was filmed in Crans Montana. This week, we're in the Lake District because we're here for our runner's retreat and we thought, you know what? There's no better place to record our episode than right here with a lovely backdrop. And it has been a good trip, hasn't it, Gemma?
1: Yeah, it has. We're actually filming in the nook. That's what Claren will call it. So it's the nook.
0: The nook. Okay. And and this is the snug room in the nook. Or oh, is the snug room
1: downstairs? I think that's downstairs. downstairs. But yeah, this is the lounge. <laughs> Just a simple lounge.
0: The lounge area, which provides a beautiful backdrop with the hills behind. And as I say, we have our late district runner retreat this weekend. But we are back and we are here to talk all things long term planning. Remember, the purpose of this podcast is to give you inspiration, education, so that you can literally take that away and quite literally go and run with it. And this week we wanted to touch on an area that we feel like a lot of people get wrong. Um, I spoke to Jethro about this recently, about how to plan effectively, but we wanted to go into a little bit more detail about long-term planning and what that actually looks like for an athlete like yourself and what it actually looks like from a coach. So I'm going to kick off and I'm going to hand it over to you. How far ahead are you planning in terms of your head and your mindset with goals that you have for next year? Or are you planning into next year already?
1: Yeah it's a good question I think I've had different areas in my times in my career where I've planned longer term than um, and shorter term on others but this year is definitely a longer term planning in terms of looking ahead to the summer so I think that's down to entering races having an idea of what I want to do um, and then looking at those bigger goals which we've spoken about and it's, it's difficult for me because I'm coming we're talking about this from an athlete point of view, but I guess I've also, you know, I've had conversations today on the phone with an athlete that I've started coaching about that longer term process, your A goals, you know, B, C goals, and that's what you're going to talk about. So yeah, from my perspective, this year and next year is definitely a start of a longer term planning system, um, also because it's quite unknown for me as well. So there's kind of a couple of components in there.
0: Okay, we'll go into a little bit more detail on that as we go Where are you now? So we've just come back off holiday. We were in Rome and apologies, I was ill last week, which is why we we put that episode in there, which was great timing for the one that we filmed in Kranz. But we've just come back from holiday and you were very relaxed on that holiday about the whole running situation, which was great. We went to the Ryder Cup, but where are you now in that planning process and how does that fit with goals that you've got going on in 2023?
1: Yeah, so I think it was really interesting because those of you who listened to episode three podcast, it was all about injuries and I was actually just coming out of a month long injury, which I thought was a lot worse than it actually was. And it turns out that I just had that month off. Um, but part of me was like, well, what happens with my goals now? Where where do they go? I've got this 50K in November. Does it still does it still happen? And I think that's really important to look at that long term planning and know that still fits as part of that longer term planning. So each race isn't just a be all and end all. And we are going to learn from different training blocks. But I think like you said last time, it's like don't expect everything to be perfect. Like we can still get to a race and still get to an A race without the perfect build up. Um, and then we went to Rome, which I originally thought I'd be really fit. Training would be going really well. And then I would go to Rome and just have a week off and it'd be fine. And ended up I needed to train because I'd had a month off already. So that's where in your head, like that mixture of kind of your goals in your longer term planning. And then actually the reality of, you know, shit, I've got, I've got some training to do. I've got some fitness to find. Um, so you need to marry them up mindset wise as well. Um, I was very relaxed in Rome um, and I have been working with an amazing sports psychologist around... Built like looking at your your training and looking at the longer term goals and feeling more relaxed and actually when you spend time with friends and family and doing things you enjoy it can massively help your running and I think we get we can get a little bit obsessed with just a running plan not being very flexible and then um, when things don't go right our whole world falls apart whereas actually you need that social time as well as part of it I mean this is completely going away from the longer term plan conversation but I think um, where I am now is building into one of the, our target races of the year, I think, um, but in my mind it's still very, very new, so it's a target race for 2023, and that has changed because Valencia was my target race, and this became my target race um, because it needed me to quali- like ideally using this race to help me qualify for something that's going on next August. so think about how long that that thought process is um so that's kind of my journey and what i've been on so far and actually valencia marathon has now become a b or c goal um in my head because it isn't the main main target for
0: 2023 so i'm going to kind of add a little bit of perspective here as well um and it actually ties back into the podcast episode i've just done with justin you are aiming to qualify for a UTMB event next year, which is the OCC, which Justin spoke all about on episode four. So if you haven't seen that already, go back and listen to how you qualify for UTMB. And that involves planning so far ahead that you have to be almost like a year in advance, which yeah. is why Kulmananen, how we pronounce it, we know it is how we pronounce it, it's Kulmananen uh, in Sweden, has become your target race because you need to achieve a certain place or certain points in order for you to either qualify for UTMB automatically, which is the aim, or for you to get a, a good enough scoring to go into the lottery, which we know you'll be able to do, to then get pulled out a hat to then qualify for UTMB OCC next year. And you're looking at me funny like, why is he looking at? Why is she looking at me like that?
1: No, because I think it's really interesting because, one, I didn't really want to talk about this in terms of from an athlete point of view. <laughs> so Lewis is putting me on the spot, of putting everything out to the world. But two also I've been working a lot on actually what I'm going to do in Culminant. You can have your goals and write them down, but I'm going to there uh, to run the best I can on the day. Um, I'm treating it as a long run, um, which is a 50k race, and trying to be as relaxed as possible. So whether those outcome goals happen as a result of that, that's my main priority going into it, because psychologically, I know I run a lot better than be like, I need to qualify, I need this amount of points, I need this placing. And that is part of my longer term planning as well, like the psycho- psycho- psychological ways of thinking about it, rather than putting all that pressure on the outcome of yourself.
0: And I don't think it's necessarily put in... The pressure on yourself it's having those honest conversations as a coach and athlete but also knowing where your goals fit because it's not that you need to qualify you need to do this you need to do that um but it's like any qualification process you have to know the process it's one thing whether you focus on that process and and how much you delve into that but you've got to be aware of it because if you're not aware of it we wouldn't have even gone there to then qualify so this is a really good example of, we talk about the 95% and the 5% rule where you wanna focus on 95% of the process and only have 5% of your mindset on the actual outcome goal. Yeah. But I always think there should be some element of your brain focused on that because I believe a little bit of motivation comes from that as well, when you've really got to dig deep. But it's um, that whole analogy, you know, when we did that sports psych session that time in killed it was really good. Like there's a fire in the room and you've got to get out the room. The goal is to get out the room as fast as you possibly can. 5% of you should be looking at the door of how to get out the door, but the 95% of you should be thinking, how do I get out that door? Who do I need to move out with me? Which tables and chairs do I need to avoid? How do we keep everybody calm? How do we get to the fire assembly point? So 95% is the process, 5% is the end goal. And that's very much where you are right now.
1: Yeah, and I do think that's really important. I guess it's very different talking about it personally than Um, out to the world on a podcast I think that's the difference isn't it it depends on athletes feel comfortable doing that Um, I you know I speak to a lot of athletes who are comfortable completely sharing others and I think a lot of people will resonate I'm quite internal with my motivations and goals so I like to set myself challenging targets but I won't be I won't put it out there to the world because actually I run better when I'm understated in that sense um, but I did do it um, when I ran indoors. I came fifth at the Brit- British Champs, indoors over 1,500 metres, and it was my first um, indoor Champs. And we, um, you suggested, as Coach Bo at the time, we really plan out that indoor season. And it was the first time, instead of just being fit when I needed to be fit, it was like, let's plan out what it looks like, what races, and build into that. And I actually had one of my most successful seasons because I knew what I was doing from three, four months out. I knew what that would look like. I knew what the races were. And it became like an automatic... Boom, boom, boom! Do this, and then the results spoke for themselves. So I think, yeah, it's so. I've I've also got past history of doing that, and realizing how important it is.
0: I think it's really important for people who listen and tune in as well to realize that it's also fine to have those time goals, what we call those outcome goals, if you want to have them. Um, But you should always have some process goals that that go along with it. I once listened to a really good interview with Tiger Woods, the golfer, and he said about how he was very internally kept his his goals to himself and his team. And sometimes he didn't even communicate them with his team, just himself. Um, but one thing he could never get away from, and I think this is what I'm trying to get onto as, as a coach is, you can't get away from the fact, or he couldn't get away from the fact that he was going to play the Masters. Like, yeah. he wanted to win the Masters and he wanted to set records. And inside he was saying to himself, I want to set an all-time record. I want to be the lowest ever scorer at the Masters. You know, But he didn't communicate that with the outside world. Yeah but everybody knew where he was going to try and perform well and i think that's what it comes down to like you've still got to go to that goal race but how you communicate your goals with yourself and and the outside world is entirely up to the individual yes. and everybody is different what is right for you or what is right for me won't be right for somebody else
1: oh massively and i think part of that's self-awareness and really understanding you and what you need and what you respond to but i think regardless of How that psychological mindset looks like, you definitely need to plan out what you're what you're doing. I think that's why we're talking about that long term plan because there are different phases. And from a coaching point of view and an athlete point of view, it's really important because within that long term plan, you also need to look at what else is going on in your life. Like we're not all full time athletes. We have different stresses. We have birthdays. You know, Christmas. Lots of stuff going on, and actually that can impact on your training and racing as well. So it's why that's really important to consider.
0: Definitely. And I think there's a really good example of this this year with Josh Kerr, where everybody is different. Everybody approaches things differently. So Josh obviously won this year, he beat Jakubin Gabritsen in the 1500 metres. Previously, last year, Josh was quite outspoken about his goals and kind of was quite brash and confident. And and that definitely added a bit of personality to it and a bit of spice. And it makes it interesting for the viewers, I would say that, at that top level. But then this year, I felt like Josh was a lot quieter And he was a bit more reserved and he seemed really confident going into those championships. And in fact, he had an interview with Steve Cram afterwards and and Steve interviewed and said exactly the same. I felt like it was a different Josh Kerr. He was more calculated. And he said he was actually more confident this year, even though he was more outspoken last year. And I see this a lot with people where they talk things up because they're trying to talk themselves up. Whereas actually the people who are really confident and really assured inside are often the ones who keep things to themselves or with their team. And I don't think they then burn as much energy or they have as as much expectation on themselves. So it shows how, again, you've got to, what you were saying there, you've got to figure out what works for you.
1: Yeah, and I think... Even though, so we, we did want to do this podcast around long term planning, but it shows how the psychological impact and psychological skills ha- plays a massive part in running and, well, in life in general. And I think people completely underestimate it. They think it's just the training, the running, and the physical, and that doesn't impact. But I just, yeah, I mean, we could do another podcast on this, can we? And I think we probably should in terms of different topic areas around psychology. Um, but I guess let's move into like looking at that longer term planning we had a coaches team meeting a couple of weeks ago and it was brilliant to see you standing up there and talking us all through that longer-term planning and what that could look like for an athlete. So if I was listening to this podcast, what could I get from that planning that I could put in place myself?
0: The reason we went through that was because the biggest mistake we see with people who come on board with us as a coaching company is they have a, a target goal in mind and that target goal race is often around 16 weeks away. The classic is is the marathon. But what we're seeing now more and more of is people going to ultra distances and tackling things like 50Ks or 100Ks, 100 milers. And they come on board and again, they have like a, a set time frame in their mind and they say, oh, I've got 20 weeks until this race and now I'm, I'm really training for, for it. And I guess from my perspective, what I wanted to get across in that team meeting and what I want to get across to people who are tuning in is that you're always training towards something. And if you have something that is a target in a year's time, don't put that target literally to the back of your mind. I'm not saying it has to be at the forefront of your mind all the time because you've just highlighted a really good reason as to why it shouldn't be. It can you know, use up a lot of our psychological strength. But It does have to be in your mind because it can dictate the plan from a very, very long way out. Because we'll go into detail on the different phases of what that plan should look like or what it could look like. But what we see the trap or what the trap people fall into, the mistake they make is that they go into like a 16 week block and they say, right, I'm training for the marathon now. I'm training for a 50K now. Everything should be 50K or marathon focused. And you're like, why? Like, have you gone through phases of building? Have you gone through phases of then introducing certain things that you want to introduce, like strength work? Have you gone into phases of introducing some VO2 max type stimulus? Have you you gone into phases of specificity? Have you gone through phases of progression? And a lot of the time, the answers to that is no, they haven't. And the reason it's no is because they don't know how to do it. And that's fair enough, because at one point in our lives, we didn't know how to do it. But I would say the importance of that long-term planning is to allow yourself time to go through those phases, work on different things and going back to your keyword, look at the processes as to what you want to improve and work on in that long-term plan.
1: Yeah and I saw something brilliant today around that outcome So like you could, we could be sitting, listening to this conversation and go, wow, that's, that's a lot to be based on one goal at the end of it. And actually Des Linden put like, you know, we, we focus on one goal, we take some risks, we push our boundaries, we get ourselves ready, but we can also fall up, fall up short from it. And that's okay. It's like, it's not gonna, you're not guaranteed to run well. Basically you're, you basically set yourself up as I'm going to run the best I can on the day, in those conditions with what I've got. And I think that's really important. It's like nothing guarantees you in running. There are ups and downs. Just because you've had a fantastic running to a race and an A race doesn't mean you're going to hit your goal. Sometimes if you have the worst run into the race, you actually get your goal. So I think it's also managing expectations of going. That also isn't the end point. You're not just going to stop after that. I mean, some people do, but that's because you're not going into the, with it the right mindset. Knowing that you can still learn and you can still reflect and there's still other things around the corner and you can learn a lot from your journey and change things and move things. Like I think that's really important to remember when we're looking at that long-term process.
0: Yeah and I think you've got some outliers in the sport particularly ones recently that we've seen people like Safan Hassan who just seems to be at a peak every single week um, which is mental but there will have been some process behind that madness as well of like dropping down over the summer to do the shorter distances before then attacking the marathon. We saw her have one go at the marathon in the spring and then have another go at the marathon in the autumn, which isn't unfamiliar. Like that's quite a common trend. And in the middle, there's like a lot of faster work. How she does it is quite extreme and that, that's fair enough. But. What we do see with people uh, at any level is and i'd say this again is a huge mistake is they have too many goals and jethro touched on this uh, in the episode where we talked around goal races and planning towards your goal races he said people have too many a goals and i think how i would word that as a coach is people have too higher expectations on themselves to deliver week in week out and they expect an a performance every single time they line up on the start line. And we just know that isn't possible. So what I would prefer people to look at, as you just mentioned, is what is that big A goal? What's the big goal that you're aiming for? And you could have more than one in a year. You might have two in a year. You might have three. Who knows what that is? But again, you've got to work out what works for you. Um, but within that cycle of working towards that air goal, what are your other goals that you're working on? And they don't just have to be race-focused. You might have some race-focused goals in there. Like you might want to improve your half marathon time on the way to the marathon, but you, don't, you maybe don't want to go so time-specific with that. But you also might say to yourself, well, actually, you know what? I've found that I'm cramping late on in races and I feel like that's either due to my sodium, my salt, and, and how much salt I'm getting in, or it's down to muscular fatigue. So you know what, within this process, I want to figure that out, and I wanna go and try and work on that process. So I'm gonna go and get a salt test, or I'm gonna do a salt test with something like precision hydration, which you can do. And I'm actually going to add in some gym work into my programme. But it's not a case of, I'm just gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna start smashing out weights. You're gonna want to do that gradually as well. So if you've never done that before, that might be a goal to gradually increase that and progress it over time. And you can all of a sudden see how your goal might be a year away, but there's a heck of a lot of stuff to work on in between.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about, we've mentioned my goals going towards UTMB or a trail this in 2024. Let's talk about, because I think you nicely broke it down when we spoke about it, about okay, the different phases, the blocks of phases and going into trail, because people can then relate it into different distances, but I think it's quite good because it's getting some specificity in there. But what do we do, say, between like January and March or now and December, then January to March and then those phases? Like what would that look like for me as an athlete building into maybe a 50k trail race?
0: Well, because you didn't want to talk about yourself (laughs) and because you don't want it all about you, I'm going to use a different athlete who will be targeting the same week.
1: Perfect, yeah, that's that's better. Our listeners will learn. I don't want to talk about myself.
0: So James, I'm going to throw you under the bus instead. Uh, Sorry, James. So James Tilly is an athlete I coach who is a 2.21 marathon runner, and you would be maybe sat at home thinking, oh my God, I can't take any inspiration from James whatsoever. Well, let me tell you something. James, over the last nine or 10 years, has lost around about seven, eight stone in weight. He wasn't physically active whatsoever at one point. He decided to go on a weight loss journey and he's one of the most inspirational characters you'll ever meet. So don't sit there and think, just because he's run 221 for a marathon, he's had things easy and he's a super talented runner. It wasn't always like that. And I believe you can take inspiration from anybody. You've just got to look at what they do that you can relate to. So we're going to use James as the example, and he is targeting the OCC at UTMB next year. He still has to try and qualify automatically. Um, as his new his YouTube video is going to come out, falling at the first hurdle, appropriately named by Jamie. He tried to get auto qualification. That didn't happen. We've had to reassess. We're going to try again. If he doesn't get it, It's not a problem. He'll go into the lottery. If he doesn't get in through the lottery, we will look at another target in 2024 that is a similar time frame, similar distance and similar elevation.
1: I mean, he didn't get auto-qualification, but he still absolutely smashed it in where where I can never say the word. (laughs) What's the place called?
0: It was at the Wild Struval event in Kranz, Montana. He, this is his first 50K since he did one in um, Canada some two, three years earlier. It was a tough event. He finished sixth. He was mixed right in there with the pros, sponsored athletes, and he performed really well, but it wasn't enough. So we've had to go away and have a think about that. And to truth be told, he was a bit underprepared because it was a decision we made only in June for him to go and attack that. So it shows the importance of a long-term plan into next year as opposed to a short-term plan. He still had a few months to go at it, but he wasn't prepared fully. So the long-term plan, what does it look like? Well, James now has to go and run another 50K, which is in Sweden, which is the event you are doing too. And hopefully he'll get the qualification there that we need. So let's say he does, he gets qualification. The first process that we need to go through as a pair is a regeneration process, recovery process. James needs to rest and recover from the hard bout of exercises that he's had. He needs to mentally recover up here, and he needs to physically recover. So he's then ready to start his long-term training plan. Because he's had recovery time out and because he's um, had those adaptations from hopefully a really good training block, but because he's offloaded the body, he then needs to build back up. We need to do that sensibly. So we go back into what we call a base building phase. And for him, that'll start back end of December, early January. In that phase, his volume will creep up slowly and it'll be high. It'll be a lot of easy work, what we class as zone one, zone two work. Very low, very steady volume building, but a lot of conditioning in there. So hilly running, uh, he might add in some hill sprints here and there, and he'll also be in the gym a lot. He's getting his body strong enough to deal with the next phase that's going to come and the long-term approach to his training plan where we know he needs to be super strong come August time. Once he's been through that phase, coming out of January, February, we'll then transition into what I call, um, what I like to call, the, the the phase where we work on things that are least specific to the event that you're doing, but he's going to get a big benefit from. And sometimes this is a, a really good chance to work on your areas of of weakness or areas areas of development. I call it the progression phase. So you're progressing things that you want to progress. In that phase, it'll be VO2 max work. Uh, And for James in particular, it'll be starting to look at um, particularly running hard reps uphill. So VO2 max work uphill. Um, Once he's gone through that phase and we've worked on areas that we want to work with and we'll figure some of those out as we go, we will then start to progress from there into more of the specificity phase. And this will be a big phase. So the specificity phase will relate to Um, Getting more specific with the volume, getting more specific with the elevation, and getting more specific with the terrain he's going to be running on. This will be his biggest phase because we'll, we'll go through a bit of a building phase into that phase, and then we'll go really specific as we get closer to the event. What I mean closer to the event, between sort of nine and five weeks out, he'll be in his big bulk specificity phase where we'll do even maybe go on a training camp out to the Alps to, to really get him used to that volume, uh, that terrain and that elevation. Other things to factor in, things like altitude that he's going to be racing at as well. So we may need to consider that.
1: I think it's interesting as well. I I mean, you that those blocks and those phasing, you can relate it to any distance, but obviously different ways of of process your specificity phase is going to look very different for a 5k than it is for a marathon or 50k trail race but what I love about listening to the trail side of it and coaching the trail side of it is how many components there are to consider and it's not a case of just pulling a training plan together or a generic plan and you know there is so much that you've got to plan in and think about as a coach and an athlete it's not just as well a coach just giving you that information you've got to work together as a team throughout that whole process
0: And that is a really good point, working together, because I believe coaching is a relationship you develop with the athlete. You learn over time what works for them. They also learn a lot about you as a coach. And I believe it should be a collab. I I believe you should be working together and having those discussions. Yes, the coach has got to be prescriptive and athletes like that, because they want a bit like you. You want the the thinking taken away from you. Um, But there's gonna be certain points where I need that feedback from the athlete, where he says, actually this this doesn't seem to be working or i'm finding this too easy and those sort of things can really help a coach to understand the athlete more so you have to work together along that journey i guess for people who are tuning in who don't have a coach and don't have that person to bounce off what i would say is that you've got to be really honest with yourself and i think that's where people really benefit from keeping a training log or a training diary to write things down because it's easy to forget how you felt and it's easy to forget, like, what what feelings you're experiencing during those types of blocks. Um, For example, a marathon block, people sometimes panic when they're feeling, like, tired. But actually, if you look at it and you go, well, actually, I'm five to seven weeks out from the marathon. I know that in my plan that I've structured together for myself... I was expecting to be tired here because this is where my volume is at its highest. I'm training more than I've ever trained before. I've got less time to recover. Then it's fine for you to experience those bouts of tiredness. And then you can almost check in with yourself in your diary and go, okay, I'm tired, but this is what I expected.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And a lot of what helps, again, we're going back to the psychological side of things. A lot of what helps that is being aware, but being prepared. So it's like, it's like whether you hit your goal and, and you have a really good run and you get your PBs or you don't, it's being prepared for both scenarios. But also if you can work through the process of a plan and focus a lot on the process, it means that you're learning as you go and then those learnings can be put into future practices. Whereas if you just go through it and don't even learn, don't even think, get to the end, don't hit your goal, life's over kind of thing, it's not It's not a good place to be.
0: Absolutely not. And and a couple of tips for people on that is is like, Learn as you go and don't be afraid if you fail first time. Use it as a learning, not as a failure. And if things aren't going according to planning, you know, week one or week two of a new phase, don't be afraid to stick with it for a little bit longer. Things like fueling come to mind when you're trialing new gels or trying new foods or trying new supplements. Sometimes you've got to train the gut to allow that to happen. And similarly with training, you have to allow the body to adapt to the new stimulus that you put in there. So don't just think, oh, I'm feeling tired. I'm running rubbish. You know, I'm not getting the results I want. I'm gonna use an example from the trail running world here. John Alban this year, who was a big winner at UTMB. He won the CCC this year. He's a British athlete. He was underperforming pretty much in every race in the build-up to the CCC. But it was because he was trying new things in training. He was adding more elevation than he'd ever had added before in his training block. He was doing more volume than he'd ever done before. And that was geared towards, guess what? His A goal, CCC. So some of his racing around that was suffering, but he didn't panic because you know what? He told himself before, this is what I might expect. A bit what you highlighted earlier. If you tell yourself, okay, it might not be perfect, you're more likely to deal with it better. Does that that make sense? Yeah, I
1: know that does. Yeah. I think preparation and awareness mentally is really important and it helps you. It gives you longevity in the sport as well. And it gives you it means your goals aren't also the be-all and end-all of your running performance. It means that there's still more after that, and I think that's really important. And um, just touch back on—I think it's good to rehighlight. You know, you said the A goal, the B goal, and the C goal. Um, in terms of the B and C goals, what common mistakes do people make? Because I think you touched very briefly on the beginning, but we, you know, we have people that come into our coaching setup who race every weekend and just, you know and probably over race. So why is it important maybe to strip it back a little bit and just work on um, having those as part of the process and going tired into them and not expecting to perform well?
0: So the first thing I'd say is there's nothing wrong with racing every weekend if that is your goal. So some people like to race every weekend for community, to be a part of something social, uh, to feel part of that running community, that running vibe. That's absolutely fine if that is your goal. But what I would say is that if you're expecting to perform every weekend at the highest possible level, it's not going to happen. I've never met anybody who's able to do that week in, week out, and just think of it in relation to, to real life. Sometimes I like to think, keep, keep things black and white. People expect their body and their mind to show up from every time they race. Like, Does your body and your mind show up for you every single day you go to work? Absolutely not because some days you feel amazing and some days you feel crap and that's absolutely fine. That's just life, that's the hormones in our body, that's like fatigue, that's absolutely everything. So that's why it's really hard to perform on a regular basis. But if it is your goal to say, I wanna run 50 park runs in 52 weeks this year, then absolutely that's your A goal. But what I would say is don't try and target 50 PBs back to back. So, So it's a different type of goal. Um, I'm going to apply what you said, the A, B and the C goal, back into those phases, if that's all right. Because I think this is where people go wrong. So, let's say we're going to call our our C goals our, like, least priority goals. Um, They're the ones where we want to race, but we're not really going to change our training too much to adapt to those races. In fact, they they may be seen as training races within a training plan. So, those C goals are quite likely going to come early on in the plan, or mixed into to big sections in that plan. So you might throw a let's go with someone's training for a hundred uh, k event, and within that hundred k build up, they're going to do a fifty k, and they're going to do that in their biggest volume week, and they're going to do it as a, as a training race. So the expectation on that race outcome is really low because they're going well. I'm tired going into the race. The race isn't there as a performance goal. It's there as part of the training process. A B goal is almost like a secondary goal or I like to see it as like a bit of a purposeful goal. So the classic one I would give here is somebody who runs a half marathon in the build up to a marathon. You would actually taper down a little bit for this goal, not a full taper, but you would drop volume going into the race slightly and on the other side of the race, you would drop volume slightly to allow the body to recover that would allow you to potentially run well. I'm not going to say you will run well, because I've seen it before where people don't and then they lose lose their head. Yeah, like, you
1: think I'm not, I'm not going to run the best marathon anymore. Like I'm not in shape seven, seven weeks out.
0: I'm going to use an example of, one of the athletes, I coached Katie. She didn't have the run she wanted to do at the, the big half. She was, you know, four or five minutes off a PB over the half marathon. And she, we knew it was warm and she didn't feel particularly great on that day. And it was only five or six weeks out from the Chicago marathon, goes to Chicago, smashes a marathon PB by four minutes. And you like, how have I done that when I couldn't run my half as fast as I could like five, six weeks earlier? Because it was part of the process. And the main thing is that Katie didn't panic and I didn't panic as a coach. I didn't change anything in the training. I was just like, okay, it is what it is. I think it was a solid run. It was part of the process. We weren't aiming towards that half. And I know how hard that is psychologically for people, because I think what people do um, take for granted, they, they almost go to the coach and think, oh, well, you don't care because it wasn't your performance. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but I sometimes get that impression where people think, yeah, but it's not you, you, know, you don't have to deal with it, but we've been there as well. Yeah. And we've been through it where psychologically it's hard to go to a race and not get what you want.
1: Yeah. And I think and I think also if you you look at you've got to look at your signs, haven't you? So say training's going quite well and you have one bad race and it's like, okay, well that's you know, you've got to be able to live with that. If you're having bad race again, after again, after again, and your training was going really badly, like there's some sort of signs there that say, and it's not just about the training plan, it can be fatigue, stress, work life. Like I think some people just Look at the running bubble and don't realize you've got a whole life around you that actually affects what you do running-wise. So I think it's yeah, looking at having that outside view as a coach as well to help that athlete understand, understand what's going on and if there are those warning signs, you do pick them up. But if it's one race that's slightly in the pile, like you say, Katie going and smashing her PB, that also I think is a credit to Katie because a lot of people would have let that bother them, and I think a credit to yours and Katie's working relationship that she was able to then come out of that and be okay and trust the process and go into that marathon confident that she's going to run well and she'll be able to use that now for evidence in the future when if she goes to run a marathon and her half marathon's slightly below par, she'll be like oh well I've done a PB before and that's the great thing about that kind of evidence-based um running theory
0: it's a big confidence boost but it comes back to trust it comes back to trust in the process trust in the plan trust in the coach and the coach also trusting the athlete which is another big part of it That's where the the kind of the B races fall into there. So, you know, C races are classes like training races and you maybe work on things in those races, which Jethro highlighted in his podcast episode. Might be that you work on a fueling strategy. It might be that you practice a pacing strategy. You try something new. That's what those C races are great for. The B races are the ones that, um, sometimes Jethro call as well, a bonus race. You may get a selection for something on your build up to an event. For example, someone may get an England Masters selection that they can't turn down. That's a bonus race. Go and do it, have some fun with it, but don't lose sight of your A goal that's also in there. Um, The biggest mistake we see people make is they just try to bite off more than they can chew. And what I mean by that is, they try and do too many races where they try to peak for. And also the other mistake is they they think they can do everything. They think they can perform over 5k, marathon, ultra. And we know based on experience in this sport, that is virtually impossible. And it's really hard to train all those disciplines. So you've got to look at what are you prioritizing? What do you really want to achieve? Have a sit down with yourself and think, what do I really want to do? And it doesn't have to be a time goal; it might be an enjoyment goal, it might be something that you really want to tick off on your bucket list. but be really honest with yourself, and once you have that in your mind, it helps you dictate that long term plan a lot better.
1: yeah, and I think that's good a good point at the end where you're saying like a lot of people get obsessed with time goals, and we try and people have them, and that's fine, but we try and get away from that a little bit because actually people run better when they don't focus on time goals. But you might have like a distance goal, so you might want to do a hundred k. And all it's about is completing that. And that still requires long term planning because all of those processes that you spoke about, even if it's an enjoyment goal, you still want to get through that race happy, legs feeling fine. Like if you aren't prepared, say for a 50k or 100k race, you'll end up 30 miles in absolutely screwed. And I think that everybody wants that good experience. So you can use it whatever ability, whatever level you are. But having that long-term planning will really help you and it will also help you kind of plan things around your life as well, which I think is important. So you'll have less conflict, you'll have more time planned and then be flexible within that plan as well.
0: If you spent to speak to all the best coaches in the world, particularly ultra and trail coaches, but I would also say marathon coaches and I, I dare say this would be a trend all the way through the events... The biggest problem that they see with athletes underperforming is that they've not underperformed, they've underprepared. And that is the biggest problem. And that comes from planning. That's where it starts. How can you stop yourself being underprepared? If you take on a challenge, and I'll go back to the 100K, if you want to complete 100K for the first time, have a serious think about what it's going to take to complete that 100K. What are you going to need to be when you stand on that start line and what does that person need to look like? What qualities do you need to have? Write them all down and think, okay, I need to give myself time to build up all these qualities. They don't all have to be perfect and you're not gonna be perfect in every area, but you do have to progress through a plan and you have to be prepared and that's the key. And if you give yourself time, you'll be prepared to achieve whatever goal you you put your mind to. If you don't achieve it first time, go back and do it again and go back and do it again and learn as you go.
1: And I just want to finish on that. I loved, well, I'll finish on, but you can obviously finish off. But I loved what James said, actually. So James Tilly went on this journey and he put a post about, about are you the person who makes excuses to yourself, always says no and doesn't follow through to things. And I think sometimes we have to make a commitment to myse- ourselves. And to stop making excuses and start saying, actually, I'm going to give myself a chance. Why don't I back myself? Because often we don't back ourselves. And actually, instead of make that commitment to plan and to work towards things that you do want to achieve and that you want to do well at. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think maybe we need a little bit of reminder that it's okay to back ourselves and okay to, you know, want to go and achieve things.
0: Absolutely. couldn't agree more with that statement. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, go after it. You'll enjoy the journey as much as anything. And that's all part of the, the story. On that note, I'm going to taper this down, which is one of the phases I missed. The last little bit of phases. Don't forget your taper into your event.
1: Is it a taper or as Ali Dixon, one of our coaches, is it peaking into our events? So it's tapering in terms of training. Peaking in terms of the body and the mind because I did like how she refra- reframed that.
0: Yeah, I really like that as well from Ali, one of our coaches who's a very, very successful athlete and coach. Uh, I see it as your tapering to allow yourself to peak and that's how I always used to do it. You want to be fresh physically and mentally going into your biggest challenge, your biggest A-goal event. With that in mind, good luck to anybody who is racing this weekend. We know there's lots of marathons going on around the world at the minute. The kind of ultra trail season is is slowly coming towards the end, but there's always stuff to go at. So if you've got an event coming up, then best of luck. If you're just training, then hopefully you're long-term planning into 2024. If you've never thought about that before, then do take a serious look at that because I promise you it will help you to plan ahead. If you want any help with your planning, we, of course, would love to help you on your running journey. We at New Levels Coach and help people of all abilities so check out what we've got on offer we've got our marathon kickstarter program now launched as well as our marathon accelerator program we've always got our one-to-one coaching on offer and we have a fantastic array of coaches now uh, and we do cater for people of all abilities so if you want to find out more about our coaching services head over to newlevelscoaching.co.uk or just follow us on social media and pop us a message for now though thank you Gemma.
1: Thank you, Lou. enjoyed
0: that. That was yeah. good.
1: It was good, yeah. I was actually going to come in with something at the end there, but I'll leave it for next time.
0: You'll leave it for next time. <laughs> she, she'll save it for next time because she will be on again. Hope you enjoyed listening at home. Best of luck with race and training, and we'll catch you all again very, very soon.